the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Something we've uh, covered very closely here on the Dave Ellswick Show is uh, religious liberty. We've done a lot about religious liberty here on the show. We try to keep you up to date on it. Uh, It's something that has, uh, for whatever reason, over the last couple of years, uh, our abilities to go out and worship as we please uh, have been attacked. The left used COVID-19 as a way of doing that. All you got to do is go out to California, see all the, uh, you know, things that have been happening out there under Newsom, uh, you know, with MacArthur and some of the other churches that are in the uh, California area and how, uh, you know, religion has come under attack. Here locally in Arkansas, our state legislature has a, you know, I think fought very valiantly about uh, religious freedom. Uh, they've got SJR 14 passed. That's going to give you the opportunity in the next election to put uh, a protection on religious liberty here in the state into the state constitution. And uh, today, the director of public affairs, Lathan Watts, is going to join us from First Liberty. Uh, and he's going to talk a little bit about this. And, you know, the ACLU, uh, uh, Lathan, is having uh, a cow about this. Yeah, well, typically, um, if the ACLU is, is opposed to something, I'm generally in favor of it. So when I heard that, uh, <laughs> that's the truth. They were up in arms. When they were up in arms about uh, Arkansas adding this to their constitution, you know, I had to, I had to take a look and see when you know exactly what was going on there and uh, and it turns out uh, as usual um, uh, they what they are calling one of the more dangerous things in the country turns out to be a really good idea which is um, adding into the state constitution protections for religious liberty um, and as you said it would it would go to the voters if the voters approve it then it would be add to the Constitution, which means in order to ever remove that, you would also have to go back to the voters, to the people of Arkansas. And, um, yeah, First Liberty, uh, as, as you mentioned, I mean, we, we defend religious liberty, people of all faiths all over the country. And I can say, you know, um, our, our CEO has been doing this for over 30 years, that hostility towards um, religion and traditional religious views on um, a whole host of issues is really at at a level that, that we haven't seen in a long time. And so policymakers at every level um, should use whatever means are available to them to 
make sure that religious liberty is is protected. Um, you know, the, the the First Amendment, when it comes to say free speech, is really it's the unpopular idea that needed the most protection. Um, that's you know why the founders were sort of uh, suspicious of democracy. You know, um, democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for supper. That's correct. And so, so it's that it's that unpopular opinion that needs the most protection. And uh, so even if uh, people may disagree with someone's religious views, they should protect their right to live according to it, because you never know what view of yours or what um, uh, principle of yours that you try to live your life by might be culturally unpopular next week, next month, next year. And that's what um, you know, protecting religious freedom um, is really all about. And so the... The Bill of Rights, you know, was originally not applied to the states and wasn't until after uh, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments and the Civil War. And since then, the the U.S. Constitution, the First Amendment um, and the Bill of Rights has, has acted as a floor, not a ceiling, uh, as it relates to the states, meaning the states can can grant or, or enact more protection for for rights of their people than what is found in the U.S. Constitution. They just can't do less. And so, you know, that's a, a key concept of federalism. So if the people of Arkansas want to make sure that uh, religious freedom is protected there, um, you know, regardless of, of what goes on, you know, at the federal level or the legislature, then they have the right to do that. And I think they should. All right. With us is uh, Latham Watts. He's the Director of Public Affairs, First Liberty. They're down in Plano, Texas, and uh, they fight for religious liberty all over the United States. They take up cases, uh, pro bono, all all kinds of places. And let's just talk about what's happened over, let's say, the last two years. Out in California, Christianity is under attack by Newsom. In New York, you got the attack of uh, the Jews, in New York City specifically, uh, by the uh, the mayor there. I mean, he goes after the synagogues left and right, and then you have our own House of Representatives who passed the equality law and made sure that it didn't come under RIFRA, which means that no church is safe at that point. Uh, I've never seen this kind of attack uh, occur in the United States. What what What's behind it? Do you know? Well, I think um, on, on a certain level, it's, it's really uh, a lack of understanding of what uh, religious freedom is as it was intended by the founders, you know, uh, what it means, truly. I mean, the Establishment Clause is actually pretty simple. There's not going to be an official church of the United States of America. Correct. That's, that's basically it. You know, and beyond that, it takes lawyers and judges to complicate something that simple, and they've done a good job of complicating it for many years. And then you have the Free Exercise Clause, which is, is maybe the only time anywhere in the English language someone will try to get you to believe that uh, exercise means belief, and that you know you're free to just to believe whatever you want, but you can't actually go out and act on that in your in your day to day life. And you know nothing could be further from the truth. You don't have to be a constitutional scholar to understand just you know the definition of the word exercise implies activity, right? And so to live according to what you believe is what the free exercise clause is all about. Now. I think over the last two years with a lot of the things that have gone on during the pandemic, I, I can give you a little bit of good news in that uh, First Liberty during this time has not lost a single case uh, related to protecting 
and the right of churches to gather and worship uh, during the pandemic. Fantastic. Um, all, the, all the way back to we filed the very first lawsuit in the country um, uh, right around Easter. It uh, was in, uh, uh, in Kentucky where the governor was threatening to send you know, uh, uh, police out to every church parking lot in the state and, and take down <laughs> license plate numbers. I remember uh, that. Yeah, and we, we we won that case, and actually uh, the attorney general of the state of Kentucky actually ended up joining us in seeing his own governor. So that that was an important case because nobody had ever really you know, litigated this this type of issue, and so it really kind of set a, a precedent, you know, legally, but also just sort of set the tone going forward that. Um, Yes, government has a, a compelling interest in protecting public health, but the, the sole reason for the existence of government is to protect the God-given rights of the people. Mm-hmm. And one of the very first ones mentioned in the very first amendment is religious liberty. So, you know, it really sort of set the tone going forward that, look, government, yes, we understand you've got a job to do, but you have to do it in a way that balances the right of the people uh, to meet and gather uh, to worship as they see fit. And so um, I think some of that is just, uh, frankly, just, you know, regulators are going to regulate. And if your job is to be a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And some people, you know, human nature being what it is, you get, you get some power, you want some more, and you like exercising it. And, um, but, but thankfully, we've been able to uh, win some of these cases. And I think even at the Supreme Court, the last uh, four or five cases that have gone up there on issues related to this have all gone in favor of protecting uh, religious liberty. Does it worry you that, and, and I'll ask you a question, I'll get your your answer after we take a break, because we got a break coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, does it worry you that the, the House of Representatives passed this uh, law that they made sure did not come under RIFRA and the only reason I could figure out myself why they would do that is that they want to make a full-on assault on the church in America. Let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest, Lathan Watts, he's the Director of Public Affairs for First Liberty. We're talking about uh, religious liberty. It's an important uh, topic to talk about because as if you've been listening to the conversation since the beginning uh, the attack of uh, on religious liberty has been ongoing over the last few years, and it's it's getting more and more bold here in the, the United States. Let's take a, a quick break, talk about Pat Davis here. Let's talk about how you can save money with health insurance. Uh, Pat can uh, get you health insurance that's going to save you 30, 30 to uh, 50% on uh, the insurance policy that you have. It's real insurance. It's not, you know, just uh, a, a group insurance plan. By that, I mean a share plan. Uh, it's not like that at all. It can be any uh, provider here in the nation uh, that you would like to do your business with. And on top of uh, cutting the price, how about no copays? That's something that drives people nuts. You go to the doctor, you got to pay 75 to 100 and, uh, 100 and a quarter sometimes just to see the doctor. Uh, and then you go to a specialist, maybe, because the doctor says you need to see the specialist, and you get there and they want to copay. 
you know, and by the time you're done uh, seeing everybody, maybe you, you're into your pocket $250, $300. Uh, with these uh, health insurance plans that Pat has, you're not going to run into that. In fact, you may get money back from the doctor's office or from the urgent care facility or even the hospital if you happen to go there. What you need to do is call Pat Davis and talk to him and find out how this all works for your benefit. 501-605-6935. I want to impress upon you, this is not an insurance policy that uh, doesn't cover things. This is a great insurance policy that covers a lot of things, and you need to talk to Pat about it and uh, get in on it and save yourself some money. You can also check him out and uh, read more about him and about uh, these policies at yourhealthplanman.com. It's yourhealthplanman.com. That's Pat Davis. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, back with uh, Lathan Watts from First Liberty when we return. All right, let's continue on with uh, Lathan Watts here, the Director of Public Affairs at First Liberty. And and let's go back to that question I asked you before we went to break, uh, Lathan, and that is the vote by the Democratic Party, because it was, a, it was a, a party vote. It was all Democrats. It was no Republicans that got involved in this equality bill that put itself not under... RIFRA, which means churches would not be protected from the law itself, which is you can't talk about, uh, you know, things that you disagree with uh, or that the cancel culture thinks that you shouldn't disagree with. And uh, why this move? I mean, that that is that's a huge unconstitutional move by the uh, the House. Yeah, really, the, the Equality Act is as much about repealing the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act as it is uh, protecting any sort of uh, status for sexual orientation or gender identity. And I say that because prior to the House passing the Equality Act, and thankfully it has not passed the Senate, and I don't think it will, but prior to the House passing it, um, the Supreme Court, Justice Gorsuch of all people, had already rewritten Title VII of the Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation and gender identity with his opinion in the Bostic um, in the Bostic case. And so, but in that opinion, he did mention that the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and, and others, that there are statutory exemptions for churches and uh, religious organizations. And he mentioned there is the Federal you know, Religious Freedom Restoration Act um, that would be uh, that would have to be considered and how this was applied. And so then the House just says, basically comes along and says, well, okay, but uh, we're going to pass this, and we're going to make sure that um, RIFRA doesn't apply to it. So they just went one step further than Justice Gorsuch um, wanted to, which is sort of the um, the point of the, the piece at, at Daily Signal about why Arkansas's constitutional amendment to protect religious freedom is important and not superfluous. It is not 
uh, sort of a belt and suspenders approach when you've got a Supreme Court doing things like that and you've got a U.S. House doing things like that and you have as a state the the right under the Tenth Amendment and um, under the even the incorporation doctrine of the, of the Bill of Rights to provide more protection to your citizens, you should do so. You should not um, just assume that, well, we got the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and we got RIFRA, so everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people here in our last session. Uh, the move on the legislature was a move because they're they're worried they are very worried about this uh, hard centralization of governing from uh, Washington D.C. the uh, the Democrats, you know, basically they want a communist government. They they want the central government to be in Washington D.C. and they tell everybody how they got to fly. And that you know, there's always been tension between the states and and uh, the federal government but now it's even more so uh where we're sitting at and states are starting to fight back by passing what we did here in arkansas i mean we we did some other things but where's the supremacy clause come in there there's a lot of people say well you can pass whatever you want in your state but the supremacy clause will uh, negate what you're saying and they're going to have to go uh, with uh, the federal government, which I disagree with, by the way. What's your thought on that, Nathan or Lathan? Well, I, I think um, what we're seeing is sort of a rediscovery of federalism uh, by the states, and, and I think that's a good trend in America, um, that states understanding that via the Ninth and the Tenth Amendment, that if it is not expressly a power granted to the federal government uh, or prohibited, you know, then it belongs to the people in the states. And, you know, we got really way far afield of that, um, probably beginning uh, around Woodrow Wilson, and mm-hmm. certainly with FDR, um, where it was sort of just assumed that, you know, the, the problems that we face today are too, too big and too technical, and, and so you need uh, a cadre of experts, um to you know, to administer policies, to fix these things, and that's where you really start to see the growth of the federal administrative state. And if if there's any sort of silver lining to to some of this uh, stuff that's going on right now, is that it seems, at least in some states, people are starting to sort of uh, rediscover you know federalism. And no, it's actually um, the federal government should do a very few things and do them well and everything else should be left to the states to decide and then people can vote with their feet. If you want a certain policy, you want to live a certain way and this state does it and that state doesn't, then you move to that state. I mean, California is, is seeing the effects of people voting with their feet right now. They just lost a congressional seat in this most recent census, Right. Uh, I think for the first time ever. Um, because people are fleeing that state in droves, and they're going to states like Texas, like Arkansas, like Florida, like Alabama, um, Tennessee, other states, um, for, for a, a whole host of reasons. Um, but those are those are the you know the states that um, that are now, according to the census, you know, growing and and will be gaining seats in the legislature. So if if there is a, a conflict between a federal and state law. Um, it, this sort of sounds like a, a lawyer's answer. It sort of depends, you know, on, on the subject matter, but 
if you're talking about um, you know something that is not explicitly delegated in the enumerated powers of the federal government, then I think the states have a very good case to make to say, well, you can you can cite the supremacy clause all you want to, but I can't find it where you have the authority to do this anyway, and that and that leads it to the state, and therefore it should be the state's responsibility. And you know, maybe we'll see some cases like that um, percolate up through the courts, and um, and and we'll see if um, our, our country kind of has a federalism revival uh, that would be fine with me. And if it starts in Arkansas, so be it. All right. Well, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. I got to tell you, I'm really worried about a lot of the things that I'm seeing happening in the country. Lathan Watts is the uh, director of Public Affairs First Liberty. What's your all's website for my listeners? FirstLiberty.org is where you can find us if you need our help. As he mentioned, we work pro bono. We only handle religious liberty cases, so there's a tab right at the top that says Get Legal Help. Um, if you need our help, that's where to find us. All right. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. And uh, help uh, helping us uh, clarify some issues out there, especially this thing about how they're trying to push RIFRA to the side. Thanks a lot, uh, Lathan. We appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Take a break. Yeah. Uh, coming up here in just a moment when we come back. Uh, we got a special guest who's going to be with us. Uh, we had him on a few weeks ago because we were talking about redistricting, and we might talk to him about that a little bit here in the next segment. But on top of that, he's decided that he's going to run for public office. We'll talk to Doyle Webb when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's in the studio. He's in the spotlight when we return. All right, we're going to get to Doyle Webb in just a moment. First, let me tell you about PI Roofing. I had them at my house on Monday, and uh, they went up on the roof. If you remember a few weeks back, I said I was sitting in the living room with Linda watching television. All of a sudden, you know how your wife does things, guys, and you go, okay, what's wrong? You know, she just reacted in a way that I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I said, what's bothering you? She says, look over the TV. Just tell me that you see a leak, all right? Tell me you see some. I'm, don't make me guess at what you're looking at. All right? So I'm looking up to see what it is, and I see a little bit of discoloration, and I said, that looks like a leak. What are we going to do about it? And I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. What I always do, I'm going to call PI Roofing, you know, 707-3551. Uh, I didn't throw in the phone number. But uh, I called them. They came out uh, Monday. Uh, John went up on the uh, the roof, and he found a nail that had worked its way up all right he said that when they nailed the, the shingles on in fact it missed a stud uh on top of the roof and uh has held the shingle down fine but it worked its way out now let me tell you how long it took it to work its way out 18 years 18 years and uh he went up he says uh, i tapped it back in then he put some material over it uh as some adhesive over it fixed that's kind of stuff pi roofing does they're your roof leak detectives they find out i mean look he looked up in my attic and he says i know where it's at at the top of the roof he went up and he found the nail a nail on the top of my roof that's pretty impressive if you ask me all right so you call pi roofing whatever your problem is we had a little bit of hail uh in cabot uh tuesday night 
and uh, I got to see if there's any damage now to the roof because I'm going to have to put a new roof on the house within the next two years. So I'll call PI Roofing about that too. You can, you can visit them online as well, piroofing.com. They're the best roofing company that I know of. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551. Sitting in the studio with me right now is uh, Doyle Webb. Now, Doyle Webb had been kind of uh, had taken a job to take care of redistricting. Correct. And uh, he got out there and started doing it, and then he decided he wanted to do something else. And he's going to run for lieutenant governor. That's correct. Of Arkansas. That's correct. Okay. Why? Everybody says lieutenant governor is like being vice president. It's about as good as a warm bucket of spit. I mean, that's the great statement that's always made about the VP. Well, you know, why, why the, you know, lieutenant governor's office? Well, you know, Dave, uh, and thank you for having me on. Th- these are critical times. When we look at the federal government and what the federal government is doing and what they're trying to do to the states and to our individual rights, we need people that historically have fought to protect those rights. And I have done that. Through the years as an elected official, as the chairman of the Republican Party, and I will be there to do everything I can to be a spokesman and to encourage our troops, our people in the legislature, to fight those aggressive actions by a federal government. We just had this discussion in the last half hour with uh, Lathan Watts from First Liberty talking about religious freedom. Uh, It is no surprised to me that the federal government passed a law uh, in the house hasn't got through the senate yet but passed it through the house uh, on equality and then said and it does not come under rifra mm. mm. now that that is to me that's like the enemy telling you take no prisoners right mm-hmm. all right absolutely this is this is going to be a sherman's march to the sea you know we're going to burn everything in our way so uh, it's important that states understand that they've got to fight this stuff. And I'm happy with uh, what our legislature did this last legislative session. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with our legislature. They, they were active. They were aggressive. They were proactive. They were not reactive. And I really support what the legislature has done. You know, when I was in the legislature, a Democrat legislator came up to me and said, I don't think any of our laws – any of our laws should contain our Judeo-Christian beliefs. So when you start from that premise. What year was that? That was 1997. See, they play a long game. It's a long game. It starts there. It works. They try to reprogram people, and they're continuing to try and do that today. Yeah, they play a long game. This has been going on for a long time. Roe v. Wade is a perfect example of this as well. Absolutely. Of what, they, of what they did. Because, you know, now we, we have, as I, what I like to say is, we have uncloaked them. Social media has uncloaked them. Oh, yeah. Them. They can't say one thing here and act another way in D.C. I mean, when, when you're for abortion at any time, that's, that's gone a long way from where they used to be oh yeah you know and it's a clear distinction between we are where we are and the liberals are well i remember when i was in uh, in tampa for the uh, rnc convention there for romney right and i remember when the democrats were, were meeting and they wanted to strip god out of their platform mm-hmm. now when you if and you can go back and do this yourself go to youtube and look up 
when they voted on it and the the person standing up in front with the big gavel said that uh the the nays carried it which meant that they kept god in it but i'm going to tell you what if you listen to it it didn't carry it. That's correct. You know, we ran a series, the party, Republican Party of Arkansas, ran a series of ads with that. And I think some on your station uh, to emphasize that people could not believe that the Democrat Party had taken God out. And they continue to take God out. And in our platform, God is in the first sentence of the principles. Yes. And God is first in our lives. Yeah, well, you think about that. They took out, they wanted to take God out of their out of their platform and it's it's only a small step then to try to pass a law that doesn't let uh, the law and religious freedom in this country uh have have it fall be pushed out of the way mm-hmm. so they can attack the church mm-hmm. because they see the church as the last bastion of real conservative thought that's correct that's correct. Well, and they see, uh, if you will, and I'm going to take it a step further, Christianity and the Bible as challenging yes. the Constitution and, and their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And they've got to beat that uh, that devil from their point of view. I got okay? you. I got you. All right. So you you want to be that. I want to say one other thing. When, when Doyle has been, of course, was uh, the, the chairman of the Arkansas GOP. 10 years correct 12 12 years longest running chairman in the The united states right and uh, there were times that i've defended you on air because people say well why why doesn't he say this or why doesn't he say that because he speaks for the entire party he doesn't speak for doyle all right i'm going to tell you right now the guy is really really conservative people who think that you're a moderate they don't know you Correct. I've known you before you were chairman. I knew you when you were over with Wynn. I think that would be so funny to see you go in and be in the position Wynn was what was It would be at. an honor. It would be a great honor. It would be circular history, okay? It really would be. Uh, and, you know, that's my experience working with Wynn Rockefeller, seeing what can be done in that office, seeing what it, how it can encourage people and support people and, and be uh, a teammate with the governor. But And, and you shouldn't get out uh, against the governor, okay? Yeah. You, you should be pushing that unless, you know. Uh, unless the government because, gets really wobbly. That's right. That's right. I anticipate. Uh, I, I, and I catch this, Dave. I anticipate supporting her. Yes. As governor. Okay. Yes. yes. And I su- anticipate her will be a Republican. And I anticipate her will be a conservative Republican. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If it turned out differently, I might have a different tact in how we go about this. Okay. Gotcha. But I'm counting on a her conservative. Yeah. Okay. It, and it's and got we've got to march. We've got to march. We've got to defend Arkansas and the views and values of everyday Arkansans. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on all of this. And what I think might happen within two years, it kind of started. I said this was a big turn for the Republican Party in the state legislature. And that is, for instance, let's go to this is to Senate Bill 298. Mm-hmm. All right. The governor signed, wouldn't sign it. He's going to veto it. He vetoed it. And the Senate overrode it. It goes to the House. And the House, uh, some of the members come up with a way of not having to try to override the governor. 
And I understand why. I, I've tried to explain this to everybody that, you know, Asa Hutchinson has stood in the breach many times when no other Republican would stand in the breach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy who did the prosecution of Bill Clinton. He's the guy who ran for governor because Wynn got sick and died. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and knew that he's probably going to get beat by BB in, in that election. So, you know, he's paid his dues. That's the way I would put it. However, I think that now people are saying, okay, we've had your back a lot of times. Now, okay, we're going to go on and move forward. Mm-hmm. So they brought a law in, rewrote the law, was able to pass it, and got it made into law. And uh, the governor, I, I guess he's signing it. Is that correct? Uh, I think he, he's he going to sign. sign it. I don't know if he's signed it. He signed, signed yet. Act 1002. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so think about this. Back four years ago, if the governor had vetoed that, you couldn't override it, they wouldn't have brought another piece of legislation up. It wouldn't have happened. Now the Republicans are flexing their conservative muscle. That's correct. That's a huge, huge turn in the legislature and i see see the goosebumps i get i really get excited about this stuff now i see the fruition of what we fought for for the last 20 years now in arkansas we're going to see a truly i believe conservative legislature and we might see government get pared back and save the taxpayers some money we were a youthful youthful republican party and now we are maturing into our conservative i was already mature (laughs) i I just got old (laughs) you're not old you're not old Uh, you know wisdom comes with age and you are helping to uh bring the youngsters along i'm trying to make it understand that there's more to this than just not getting 100 percent right I mean, when you watch a football game, every play you don't get 100% of what you're trying to do. And look look at what the Democrats, we were just talking about. We need to play the long game. Yes, we do. We don't always get it the first time, and we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. But we need to keep the long game moving and keep moving to the goalpost. All right. Got to get a break in. We'll come Stop. back. We'll talk further with uh, Doyle Webb here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's running for lieutenant governor. Uh, of the state of Arkansas, and we'll talk further with him when we return. Hey, don't forget about Cabot Emergency Hospital. I want to thank them for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Every every one of our sponsors make this show possible. Without sponsorship, without ad dollars coming in, I would not be on the air. And I appreciate Cabot Emergency Hospital for joining up. I know that there's a lot of things that they agree with me on uh, for this state and uh, for the governance of this state and they want to make sure that you hear about those things and they're going to make that happen but you know what they're really really wanting to have happen patient centered care at cabot emergency hospital look at when you have a an emergency it's your emergency it's like major and minor surgery okay i got surgery on friday some people would say it's kind of minor but since they're cutting on me, I think it's major, all right, just to be honest with you. It's the same way uh, with, the, with the emergency hospital. They know your emergency matters, 
and they don't want you to have to wait around. The last thing you want to do is sit in a, a waiting room for two hours and you got a kidney stone and it's just, you know, kicking your butt. It hurts so bad. And you want to get back to your life. You want to get back to your family, and they'll help you do that. 100% physician-owned, board-certified emergency physicians with over 130 years of experience. And one of those physicians is always, let me underline that, always at the hospital. They're always open 24-7, 365 days out of the year. Uh, they have a complete radiology suite. They got the x-ray. They got the CT scan. They got the ultrasound. And Cabot Emergency Hospital has an MRI. They're a great place to go if you got an emergency. I've had my, I've told you my story with them, and it was great. On-site lab and a pharmacy, and you come first. That's Cabot Emergency Hospital. All right, back with, uh, of course, uh, Doyle uh, Webb. He, of course, was the uh, Arkansas GOP chairman for years, longest-running chairman uh, in the in the United States until uh, he decided to step down. And at that point, uh, Janelle took over. She's been good. We've had her on a couple of times. Uh, she has kind of changed the vision a little bit, I think, of the party now to move it, well, the vision for Doyle, of course, was we got to get the state. Now she gets to go after the grassroots. That's right. And uh, she sounds, as I talk to her and have her on the air, she sounds like she's going to do a, a, a fine job uh, of doing that. That's really important that we win, you know, um, city councils and we win uh, county uh, governance and all of that. We got to get all of it together in one thing with with the election of the legislature and the other state officials now we can show people what it is to be a conservative republican mm-hmm. okay before we talked about it well it's it's you know it's another thing this is what we've done we've been proactive we are conservative we're protecting your views and values and we'll continue to do it and we're seeing change all the way down and that's a positive thing. John L. has done a good job, and she'll do a good job. That's one reason I did not want to run again, even though I was term limited. It's time. It's time, okay? We, we've made a great progress, okay? And it's time to step, move on. And that's the reason I want to be your lieutenant governor. Yeah. By golly. I think uh, uh, our lieutenant governor Tim Griffin has done a great job. He's fantastic. Uh, you know he he uh, he's, he's going to be a great AG too. He 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 will he will do a great job. And uh, I had the pleasure of serving with Lieutenant Governor Wynn Rockefeller, different style, but another great lieutenant governor. And uh, I think when the the books are written, they'll say Doyle Webb was a great lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. Okay, sometimes you don't know what's going to come your way until you're there so people need to know who you are what your track record is you're a conservative you're a fighter you're going to work a hundred times harder than anybody else just like we did building the party people in 2008 there were a lot of people that said Doyle why do you want to be chairman of the minority party well today now you know now you know now you know absolutely that's right right. here's what I liked about when 
when when he stood up in front of people was a very easygoing guy all right but you got him away from the stage you got him away from microphones and things of that nature he was one of the most hardcore conservatives i've ever hung around and, and, and i got to be good friends with win yep he was yes. a good man yes a lot of depth and, and let me say this he did he didn't play the short game no he okay? did not he was looking for the long game and he and he had that ability to look at the long game uh so uh i think that's that's what you're going to see in doyle webb as lieutenant governor you know i, I you know my stature okay i'm not going to use this office as a stepping stool to another office now you will take your apple crate with you so you can step on and people can see you right that's right that's right the people (laughs) you know and when i when i'm finished with the first term i'll ask people to support me for the second term Mm -hmm. and once that's over Doyle Webb will have concluded his public service. He's got public service in his blood. And by golly, I want to give back to the state that I love. Well, your family's got public service in your Absolutely. Blood. Absolutely. I mean, there you are. You want to be lieutenant governor now. And then you've got your wife who's on the Arkansas Supreme Court. That's pretty impressive. She loves it. She loves it. And, you know, she and I both have respected each other through the years and our uh, respective uh, practices of law. Okay, And I am so proud of my wife that she has reached a pinnacle. I wish other women and their husbands would be encourage them to do what they want to do okay? mm-hmm. and uh, being supportive of that. That doesn't mean we don't have a, have a family life, okay? Uh, we, we don't carry our work home. We, we enjoy life. We love antiquing. We, we have, our, have our dogs. We lost both of our little dogs last year. Oh, We're no. getting ready to get a couple of more, okay. I think, this weekend. Uh, and, you know, uh, we enjoy life, so we don't carry our work home with us okay well, you got to have a life that's right. man that's you right. just poli- I, I, politics is important family is more important yeah. i'm blessed that barbara and barbara loves public service respects mine or else i couldn't go to all the dinners <laughs> that i've gone to <laughs> through the years okay all, you all doubled the them dinners, when she so became good. a supreme court justice <laughs> you doubled those all right, so if people want to find out uh, more about you, I don't know how much more they can find out about you. You've been around for a long time. You got a website already? Go to go to webforarkansas.com, and that's web with two Bs. Right. Okay? <laughs> webforarkansas.com. You can find out anything you want to. You can volunteer. You can contribute. Uh, you know, you, it, you'll, you'll see my video announcement in there. Okay. And, and Seth Mays. Is uh, yeah, we haven't my ma- mentioned manager. Seth is sitting here. He he resigned over at the Arkansas GOP as he had a really long title, but mainly was communications director over there. Senior political, right. yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, well, when somebody like Dual Webb steps up to run, you get behind him and you support him. He's the right candidate for the job, and uh, the state of Arkansas knows Dual Webb and they believe in him. And if it wasn't for Dual Webb, I think the Republican Party in this state would look differently. When he becomes lieutenant governor, if he gets brought in and and is voted in, then I can come over to you and talk to you like I used to come over and talk to Doyle Webb when I wanted to talk to Wendell Rockefeller. We'll meet you at some restaurant and have breakfast and a cup of coffee. There you (laughs) go. Absolutely. 
Maybe we can go have some Asian food. Anyway, we'll be back. <laughs> Talk more uh, in the next hour. We've got Congressman Hill coming up. And, uh, again, Doyle Webb running for lieutenant governor. seven o'clock hour today we travel to washington as we do most wednesdays uh we travel to washington we talk to congressman uh, french hill and then we'll talk to congressman bruce westerman at seven thirty-five. and uh, congressman thanks for joining us as you always do on wednesdays and and be part of the show uh last week you had some things that you had to get done wasn't able to join us, but, you know, you got to miss once in a while. That's no big deal. I don't have any problem, and neither do my listeners with that. Let's jump right in. I, I sent uh, Dan, uh, your communications director, an article dealing with redistricting here in, uh, in Arkansas. There are some really interesting tidbits in there about uh, the second district and and about the uh, the third district, the third district they uh, they reported is about ten percent over the amount of people that it should have, and then you have uh, the second district and they said that there's about seventeen thousand too many people in your district. You know what are you seeing? What are you are you talking to folks about redistricting yet? And 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 what you're wanting to see happen? Well, good morning, Dave. Good to be with you. Sorry to miss uh, last week. No, that's all right. Redistricting is going to be a big story this year. Happens every 10 years. I think all of our listeners know every 10 years we do a census and then we reapportion the seats in the House. And uh, Republican states are going to pick up more seats in the House. We could pick up potentially five seats just from redistricting. And in Arkansas, we're seeing the concentration of people in northwest Arkansas, which is showing that severe uh, shrinkage of Congressman Steve Womack's third district. And in central Arkansas, about 14,000 people. And so the the legislature uh, will work on redistricting. Uh, They now have the baseline number, about 14,000. But they'll <laughs> look at maps and look at ideas on changing the district, and probably we'll have a special session this summer, this fall, uh, to uh, complete that task. Well, as you know, they did not adjourn uh, the legislature. They just put them on recess because they know they got to come back and take care of this. And it, it's going right. to be a big thing. And the Democrats knew that, and that's why – uh, they got uh, a Democrat lawyer involved in trying to change the way that you did redistricting by having a committee uh, that the people supposedly would vote on a couple of people. And then, you know, the governor put a couple of people, you know, they don't want us 
to do the redistricting. This is the first time Republicans will do the redistricting in 135 years. First time. And it was perfectly fine for those 135 years to do it the way we've always done it through the legislature. I find it so amusing that suddenly it's a moral outrage that the legislature would do it this time. The maps that we have right now were designed by Governor Mike Beebe, our former Democratic governor of the mm-hmm. state, and by that legislature back in 2010. And Republicans have overwhelmingly won in all four districts ever since then. So uh, those are Democrat maps with uh, uh, the citizens of Arkansas conserving uh, uh, voting for more conservative Republican voices to represent the people. I mean, it's worked, and they're mad about it. Uh, so they tried to, to, as you say, do an end around the process, but that that failed. So we're looking forward to working with the legislature later this year to uh, complete the complete the new maps. Well, just as an aside, one last aside here, and then I want to move into Biden's first 100 days. And, and that is, you know, first it was if you controlled the governor's office, uh, you controlled redistricting. And then Frank White won the governorship. And suddenly that wasn't good enough just to be governor. No, now you had to have governor and you had to have a few of the other constitutional offices, which we didn't have at the time, so that we didn't get to do the redistricting on that. And then we come up this last time and they wanted to change the whole thing. My my favorite uh, statement about this was, uh, I forget who the lady's name was. She says, well, I just don't want it to see it to become a political animal. What? Oh, wow. What? There's gambling going on there. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't believe. And I, I made the same. I said, if she noticed it's been political, well, she's pointing all her fingers back at herself because only the Democrats have done the redistricting. Yeah, that's just so it's just nonsense. I think all the voters know that. So it'll be. An important process uh, this uh, next few months. It will set the tone for the next 10 years, so we want to make sure we do a good job. And um, you can see when you talk to Congressman Westerman, both uh, Congressman Crawford and Congressman Westerman have to pick up significant population. And so uh, the biggest change there will be Steve Womack's district will shrink appreciably, and I think that'll be that'll be challenging. Let me let me ask just one last question. Where do you think yeah. Fay, where do you think Fayetteville will end up at? I mean, it was that the Democrats wanted to have Fayetteville in a position that helped them. They can't put it anywhere in the state. I mean, it's a bastion of blue, but it gets washed out by this bastion of red across the whole state. I think I think Benton and Washington County and uh, Crawford County will continue to probably be the uh, uh, anchor of the third district. Uh, so I don't expect it it changing. But don't forget, even in Washington County, they have a Republican county judge. Repeat, Washington County has a Republican <laughs> county judge. So uh, the citizens in that county uh, know crazy when they see it, looking at what goes on in downtown Fayetteville. Yeah, I'm glad that they see that because there's a lot of crazy comes out of that place. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's a it's a race between them and Eureka Springs. All right, to see to see what what most crazy can come out of their areas. That's the I got way it a little is. touch of it. That's where my grandfather grew up. So uh, and uh, 
His dad migrated to Eureka Springs back in the 1870s from Illinois. So we've got a little touch of Eureka Springs crazy in the hills, and we're proud of it. All right. Well, let me jump in now and ask you, Biden just has celebrated his first 100 days. I don't know what he's celebrating about, but he celebrated his first 100 days. Your thoughts on his first 100 days? Well, number one is that uh, he has governed exactly opposite as he campaigned. So he campaigned as, I'm not crazy, I'm a centrist, Uh, I'm going to bring our country together, we're going to have unity, we're going to work together. And he's governed exactly the opposite of that by proposing significant tax increases on family, business, investing, uh, that will hurt the economic recovery, hurt economic growth, hurt jobs. He's completely dismantled uh, the orderly border security that President Trump had put in place. He cost thousands of jobs, by, including jobs in Arkansas, by abandoning the Keystone Pipeline. And he's proposed, you know, trillions of dollars of spending just in the first Hundred days, six trillion on top of the four and a half trillion that we spend every year in the federal government. So it's been a disappointment. I'd hoped uh, that he would come in, look at the past <coughs> four years, and find areas where Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill had worked together and bridge that gap, like fix the broken immigration system where we have a whole bunch of things we can do that we agree on, uh, do criminal justice reform. Uh, continue to improve uh, our energy policy in the country. There's just a long list of things that we all uh, have worked on on a bipartisan basis, but that was not on his agenda. Well, his his agenda on energy policy is to not keep America energy dependent. Yeah, he's abandoning and has gotten terrible advice. And he said during the campaign, I'm absolutely not for the Green New Deal. And yet the Green New Deal was on his website during the campaign. He says he's not for the Green New Deal when he becomes president, and he's outlined and proposed the Green New Deal. Uh, So he wants to make America dependent on foreign energy supplies, and he wants to weaken our economic growth by raising costs for energy for consumers, not only to drive but to start a business or run a manufacturing plant, and give all those benefits to China and India. And that just makes no sense to me. All right. We're going to come back, talk more about this. I saw a story yesterday, Congressman. I don't know if, if, if you've come across it yet. For all these people that they think are going to buy electric cars over the next five, ten years, that you're actually, if if you pull into your garage in the evening and you've got extra electricity in your batteries, you're gonna they're gonna make it so you can sell that back to the power grid so they can put more big fans up across the United States. <laughs> <laughs> How's that one for no, you? The, yeah, well, uh, we'll talk we'll talk about it. But in order for <laughs> Biden Green New Deal to work, he has to have. of American families all go buy an electric car in the next 10 years. I agree. I'm not sure that's realistic. I don't (laughs) think it's going to happen. All right, we'll be back and talk further with the congressman. He wants to talk about a $700 million loan. This is something that I'm really interested in because 
I hadn't heard anybody talking about a loan. Let's see what the congressman has to say when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show, right on 101.1 FM. The answer, don't forget about St. Clarity Residential uh, Cleaning. I told you, you call today and get yourself a 50% off discount coupon. Give it to your mom. Give it to your wife on Mother's Day. That's this weekend. Don't, guys, you don't screw up Valentine's Day and you don't screw up Mother's Day. You always remember who gave you life and who, who slapped you on the fanny when you were doing things wrong, all right? And that's your mom. So uh, for you who still have your moms around, uh, be sure you celebrate Mother's Day with them. My mom died back in the 90s. I haven't had her around for a long time, and I still miss her to this day. So make sure that you take care of your mom. And uh, you can do that by buying a St. Clarity residential uh, cleaning gift certificate. All you got to call is 404-6560, 404-6560, after 9 o'clock, during normal business hours, 9 to 5. Talk to Chuck or talk to Lynn. Uh, they'll get it for you. And it's only $150. That'll get a home up to 2,500 square foot completely deep cleaned by the professionals at St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. So keep that in mind. Mother's Day is on Sunday. All right, let's continue our conversation with our second district congressman, French Hill. And uh, Congressman, $700 million loan. What is this all about? Well, Dave, I got appointed to the CARES Act Oversight Commission last April. This is the oversight of the Federal Reserve and the Treasury and how they helped the markets and business cope with the pandemic last year. And you know that was important. The Fed did a lot to help our capital markets and make sure people could get access to credit, and it was critical as 21 million jobs were lost. They also had a part of that money was for national security. And we set aside money for the airlines. I think people know that. We had paycheck protection for airlines. We had emergency loans for airlines since we shut down all air travel. And for national defense, if a country was a company was deemed essential to national security by the Defense Department, essential to national security, then they were eligible for some short-term loans. And the Congress thought that might apply to Boeing or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. They didn't know what would happen, and it was a scary time. Well, it turns out, out of that money for national security, $736 million or so was loaned, about $30 million to some small, tiny venture capital startups that do defense research. But $700 million went to a trucking company headquartered in Kansas City, a company that uh, the DOD said was essential to national security because it carried 68% of all less than truckload freight for the Pentagon through Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. Turns out not true. Not true. Uh, we talked to the general contractor there. They said it's not essential to national security. Uh, it only carried 20 to 40% of the freight. 
So in my view, that loan should not have been made. And what makes it worse is part of the loan just went to bail out a failing, nearly bankrupt company. And the second part of the loan, the other half, went to buy all new trucks and all new trailers for this private company. Hmm. Uh, something the private sector should be doing. Right. And so this was, you know, a bad mistake, I think, on the part of the Defense Department and the Treasury to make this loan. And that's what our Oversight Commission has written in our report we released Friday. Okay, so what's the next step? If you find out that this loan should not have been made, can you go back and claw back that money? No, what will probably happen, and the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin at the time, got 30% of the company for this loan. So he got stock options, a warrant, effectively, for owning 30% of this company. That was his compensation. So there's two issues here. Will the loan be made in a profitable way and the taxpayer is not hurt, right? So that compensation, if they sold that loan today and sold the uh, stock option, they would get paid back. But the second issue is, should it have been made in the first place, regardless of whether it's profitable or not? And the answer is no. It should not have been made because it wasn't essential to national security. And secondly, we're recapitalizing a private company with taxpayer money, which is not an appropriate uh, <coughs> mission for the federal government in a pandemic or not in a pandemic. Well, what, so, do you, what, do you, what do you do with Mnuchin, who's getting you know, stock options? Well, the Treasury owns those. We, the taxpayers, own those stock options. All right. No, the Treasury Secretary negotiated for 30% of the company to make the loan. He made a good compensation factor if the loan worked. But what that's done, the stock was $1 last April. Last April, $1 going to bankruptcy. This is the second time this country company has uh, been that close to bankruptcy. It was also bailed out by the federal government back in 08 and 09 during that crisis. Wow. So I just have a problem with how this was done. I don't think it's right. I don't think it should have been done. And it was a misuse of the authority that we gave uh, the Defense Department. And so we are continuing to investigate it. The answer to your question, what should they do? My recommendation to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is she ought to sell the stock option and call the loan and let them pay it off. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, so let's let's turn it back to something that everybody has been watching this horror along our southern border that this president and this vice president just cannot keep can't get their hands around or if they can, they won't do it. Uh, the border crisis continues to get worse. Well, it's been 40 days since the vice president has been put in charge of the border. She still has not been to the border. The president has not been to the border. The White House yesterday released pictures of the Donna processing facility where I went last month and showed that it was almost empty. Well, why is it empty? Because they've taken all those people and through catch and release have put them out in the country. every country. Every state in the United States is a border state now. Because all these people have been sent to towns and cities all over the country to, quote, await uh, a finding to see if they should be deported or not. I mean, it's crazy. And then the unaccompanied kids are all moved from the Donna holding facility to HHS holding facilities around the country. We don't see pictures of those. Uh, So 
they've just mishandled this. I've been very clear what they should do. They should go back to the policies that President Trump had and remain on Mexico if you're seeking asylum or remain in your own country and go to the U.S. consulate, U.S. embassy to seek asylum. That's the right way, legal way to seek asylum in the U.S. And uh, we've got to continue uh, having the manpower and the border security we need to prevent uh, human trafficking and drug smuggling across our southern border. we got a minute and a half left here, Congressman. Members of Congress and the opposing party, the Democrat Party, have wanted more people to be allowed into the United States. The president has said no, but now he said yes. Yeah, this is again, uh, he's catered every policy decision he's made as if we elected Bernie Sanders president. That's the bottom line. They want open borders. They don't want police departments. They want to raise taxes on all entrepreneurs and people who believe in economic freedom. They want to take guns away. Every decision that Bernie Sanders would have made had he won the Democratic nomination is the direction Joe Biden's going. And that's why we're fighting to take back the House in 2022 and put a stop to this uh, riding roughshod over so many of the good policies that we've been able to put in place in the last four years. Well, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Some very interesting discussion today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman French Hill, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Bye-bye now. All right. So Congressman French Hill here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Always a pleasure to have him and Westerman uh, both with us on Wednesday so that you can tune in. It's, it's must-hear radio at that point to hear what's going on and uh, – Congressman Westerman from the 4th District will be up next after we come back from the news, uh, which is going to be Rush here on 101. In fact, let's go to Rush, and then we'll get to Bruce. All right, 25 minutes uh, till 8, we'll be joining uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman uh, in Washington here momentarily. But right now, I want to tell you about, you know, selling a home right now, I've been talking about this because fewer homes on the market, easier money to get to buy a house. Uh, May seem easy right now, but making the most money for it, eh, that's a different story. Uh, Brian and Penny plan to sell their own home. Seems so easy. Why use an agent? Well, after consulting Dustin and his team, they changed their minds. Uh, Dustin Turner uh, and his proven marketing plan and knowledge of the market provided the experience mattered to them. Uh, Dustin listed their home, and the first day on the market, the home was sold for $17,000 more than they were going to sell their home for. You owe it to yourself to get the most money for your home. I mean, uh, for most people, it's either buy an, a dream home, a, a bigger home, or in the case for somebody, say for myself, to put towards uh, your retirement. Uh, Dustin's going to help you sell your home for the most money that uh, you can get for that piece of property. So you call the only agent that I, was, I would call if I were selling my home right now, and that's Dustin Turner. Uh, call him at 501 501- nine five three or five two pardon me nine five two uh twenty nine sixty nine that number again five oh one nine five two twenty nine sixty nine or visit him online 
HomeTeamSoldIt.com. That's HomeTeamSoldIt.com. All right, let's uh, join up now with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And, and Congressman, I want to talk to you initially. I, I sent you an article, I don't know if you got it or not, about the redistricting of uh, Arkansas coming up here this fall. And, uh, you know, the, the state legislature has not uh, shut down yet as far as the, the this last meeting. Uh, they're, they're on recess, so they can come back for the redistricting. Uh, what are some things you're saying? I mean, you're... The way that I read that article, you need to buy a new truck or something because you're going to do a whole lot more driving. <laughs> oh, you couldn't do much more driving than what I do already, <laughs> Dave. You know, to get from uh, up in the northern part of Madison County over to the southeastern part of Ashley County. <clears throat> you know, if you if you stay in the district, it's about a seven hour drive. You cut a little bit of that off if you if you cut across, and it's uh, you know it's mostly rural roads, so. It is a large, large district, but it's a, a district that I think suits me well, and I love being able to, to represent the rural communities of the Fourth District of Arkansas. But yeah, the, the census numbers that we have out now show that the Fourth District's got to find, I think, somewhere around fifty thousand yeah. new residents, and uh, the Third District, which is Representative Womack up in Northwest Arkansas, I think they've got to lose around seventy thousand. So, yeah, something something's got to change. But you know, this the the last time the districts were drawn, I was in the minority in the state legislature, and I had my opinions on uh, you know how it should be drawn. But my opinions didn't count because I was in the minority. That's correct. It had had nothing to do with uh, with the way the lines are drawn now. And actually, Republicans have never drawn congressional districts in the state of Arkansas, so this will be the uh, the first attempt for um, for the Republican majority in the state <clears throat> legislature to draw lines. And you know, I've got my opinions now, but again, my opinions don't count because it's the state legislature that draws those lines. Well, and you, um, you you're in contact with them, though, aren't you? I mean, they don't they call you up and ask your opinion. Uh, this is one I don't give them an opinion on because um, <laughs> you know, nationally it's the Obama and Eric Holder organization they put together. They're looking at any angle possible to uh, to file lawsuits okay. and, uh, to uh, get the courts to draw these districts. So I I try my best to to stay out of it and you know just let the legislature uh, do their job uh, and you know. That's the the left's plan this time around is to to sue in a bunch of states and try to get these uh, congressional district lines into a federal court and let a let a federal judge draw them instead of <clears throat> the way uh, the Arkansas law says that the legislature should draw them. So yeah, I've got I've got plenty of ideas, and um, but the bottom line is I don't really have a say in it. And you know the, the district's got to pick up about fifty thousand people, and uh, I think the the second district has to lose a little. The third district has to lose a lot. And the first district has to pick up some people. So it looks like the the rural areas could get larger, and the the urban areas could get more condensed. But I mean, there's different ways. You know, at the end of the day, it just has to be an equal number, so the, the legislature can divvy that up however they want to. 
All right, it's going to be interesting to watch, no doubt about it, but you are correct. This will be the first time uh, that the Republicans have had a chance to do redistricting in almost 135 years uh, for Arkansas, and uh, the Democrats have gone out of their way to make sure that the Republicans didn't get an opportunity at it because, uh, of course, it used to be if you held the the governorship, uh, then you did the redistricting. And then when Frank White won the governorship, uh, they changed the rules and you had to have the governorship and you had to have some other congressional, or not congressional, but uh, constitutional offices uh, as well. And then... After we won everything, they tried to do an end around at the polls and convince people that what they needed to do was to vote in this uh, commission that would do uh, the redistricting, and and that was defeated in the court. So first time, this is going to be fun to watch. I mean, really will be fun to watch, and it's really, I want people to understand this is really serious business when they get down to redistricting. If you don't think it is, Go back to BB, and then uh, if you don't know what I'm saying when I say Fayetteville Finger, uh, then you need to learn a little bit about the history of of our Arkansas. Yeah, that's just crazy to think that I could be, you know, representing Hamburg and Fayetteville had that had that map gone through. Yeah, um, in the in the fourth district, but it was you know a serious uh, proposal they put out and. Uh, you know, even the I think even the Democrats in Fayetteville pushed back against uh, you know, taking breaking up Washington County, which is you know in that that block there in Northwest Arkansas. But you know, we we say that you you go back to Reconstruction, and uh, I've not been able to find anything definitive that um, I guess Republicans were in control <laughs> during Reconstruction. But if uh, what I've read. It was mainly Democrats that rebranded themselves as Republicans. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, even even as far back as Reconstruction, I, I don't think there's been a lot of uh, Republican input on drawing congressional districts in Arkansas. Yeah, we didn't have to wait for the Democrats in 2010 to decide they wanted to be Republicans, did we? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> uh, that, that happened a long time ago. They, uh, you know, those are people who want to have power. And uh, they'll they'll go, they'll change your spots, so to speak, to be able to keep that power. All right. Well, let, let's move up yeah, and, and talk about a lot some... of a lot of that. Uh, I think a lot of that though is like what Reagan said. He didn't he didn't leave the Democrat Party. They left him. I think there's a lot of a lot of people that voted Democrat for a long time mm-hmm. that weren't really uh, Democrat at heart, especially not the current Democrat Party. Well, we're seeing that here in Arkansas now. We are solidly red now. And I believe uh, with the next election, I be, you know, I think it's going to be a woman governor, whether it's Sarah or it's going to be, uh, you know, our, our AG is anybody's guess. But the bottom line is uh, both of them are solid conservatives. And uh, we saw conservative thought uh, in the legislatures uh, again this legislative cycle, even more so than in the past. Something that you started has now looks like it has matured, and I'm excited in two years what we're going to see happen here in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a bright future for the state. <clears throat> Things are going well. Uh, you know, we still need to work on our 
our state income tax so we can be as competitive as uh, the other states around yeah. us. Um, but, I mean, when you look at some of these policies that are coming out of, of D.C. or being talked about in D.C., fortunately not a lot of them have been passed into law yet. I mean, you really need strong states to uh, um, to make sure that the citizenry there has, uh, uh, you know, has their rights protected. And, well, you know, I, I was at the State of the Union address last week, and, you know, some of the things that just, you know, didn't sound so bad at one time, they would have, you would have thought, you know, how, how can they be proposing this stuff? But, uh, I mean, they're coming full bore with a, I don't know how to label it other than a leftist or socialist agenda mm-hmm. that uh, they're trying to push on the country. Okay, with that in mind, 100 days for President Biden. When we come back, i got to get a break in here, Bruce. Uh, let's uh, take a few moments uh, uh, for me to do that. And then we come back, I'd like to get your take on the first 100 days of the president. How about that? Sounds good. All right, that's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest is, of course, Congressman Bruce Westerman from the 4th District here in, in uh, the state of Arkansas. And we got to continue on uh, in talking with him. Don't forget about David Lucas and what he's got for you. You know, he's great on having these brochures that break down in really nice bite-sized nuggets about how you take care of your money. And if you got questions about you know, filing for Social Security, well, you're in luck. He's got answers in a simple, easy-to-understand uh, booklet that's called Your Guide to Social Security. And uh, it's 27 pages long. You, I mean, you can sit down and read that in 20 minutes and, and do a pretty good job of, of uh, figuring out what he's telling you. And it outlines what you need to know. That could help you get even more money when you do file for Social Security. If you're within five years of filing for Social Security, get this free booklet now by calling 501-222-3315. As a bonus, you're going to receive a free customized Social Security analysis. The uh, analysis is going to pinpoint the optimal time to wring every nickel out of that uh, Social Security for your benefit. Pick up uh, a phone and give them a call. All you got to do is call it. They're going to send it to you absolutely free. Uh, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. All right, let's finish it up here for a uh, Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. Remember, I won't be here on Friday. Robert uh, Steinbach will fill in for me. I've got uh, some surgery that I'm going to have on on Friday, and then we'll have a best of on Monday, and I should be back on Tuesday. I'm, I'm sure uh, counting on it. I mean, if I could get back to work after a week after having – quintuple bypass surgery than this with this surgery that i'm going to have on friday i'm sure i can get back by early next week our guest of course is uh, congressman bruce westerman from the fourth district congressman first 100 days of the biden administration your thoughts uh 
Not very good. But first <laughs> off, I want to wish you a speedy, speedy recovery, Dave. Hope Thank all, you. All goes well with your your surgery. But now, if you look at um, you, you can't look at Joe Biden's words. You got to look at his actions, and his actions started off with um, you know within hours of being sworn in. I had uh, constituents in my district that became unemployed who were uh, union pop fitters working on the Keystone XL pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that just kind of set the uh, set the mark for what this administration is working towards. Um, and the the irony in it is that you know, coming out of the pandemic and the the fantastic economy that we had before the pandemic, there's a lot of of you know pent up momentum in the economy, and it's going to look like you know the economy is doing well under Biden. But I would say he's actually hurting it more than he's helping it. Uh, it would be amazing to see what would be happening if uh, he wasn't putting these uh, draconian policies in place through executive order. If he hadn't have pushed for this two trillion dollar uh, bailout plan, uh, where I'm hearing now from employers all over, almost on a daily basis, that um, they can't hire people to work. They just literally cannot find people to work, and they tell me, you know, it's hard for us to c- compete against the federal government paying people. Uh, not to work. Um, you know, that's that's really the only big law that's been passed that I think has been detrimental. Now, what they've also been doing in the 100 days is laying the groundwork for um, bad policy in the future. And, uh, you know, you look at what's happening on the southern border with the, the border crisis, something that the previous administration had really gotten in much better position because they had negotiated with um, countries in Central America, predominantly Mexico, uh, to try to stop the the illegal immigration. And now the Biden administration has come in and just opened the border uh, wide open. And now he comes and gives his his address to Congress, and uh, he's talking about more Green New Deal policies. Um, You know, one thing that uh, hasn't been talked about a lot is he he talked about free two-year college uh, but on the other end of that, he had, you know, free universal daycare out there. And, um, you know, I think this administration is, um, you know, not promoting the family. They'll say that's for the family, but what they're doing is is pushing towards more uh, single-parent homes and less responsibility for parents. And also, um, you know, I don't know when it became our responsibility as taxpayers to raise other people's kids. And... Uh, you know, that just kind of went through without a uh, a drop in the pan with all the other stuff that they said. So I can't give him very high marks on his first uh, 100 days. I actually told my staff to uh, you know help me find something nice to say about uh, the president. Uh, I hate to just be totally negative, something nice about the policy that he's done. And um, we couldn't find anything. Yeah, well... What's interesting is he said he was, during the, the, the primary, he was against the Green New Deal. And then when he became president, he's for the Green New Deal. We've seen that now. And, and he's done a, a ton of flip-flopping. Now, are the, do you think the Democrats are pushing everything up front right now because they know that they, they're probably going to lose the House in 22? Well, they're pushing it for some reason, and 
you know, I'm back up here in D.C. today because we're, we're still doing remote hearings, but as the ranking member on the committee, I have to have staff with me, so it was either me fly back up here for the remote hearing or have the uh, committee staff come to Arkansas for the hearing. Uh, but, I mean, these these hearings aren't getting a lot of coverage, but um, they're passing stuff out of the House. It's just, um, you know, I think it's going to wreak havoc on the, on the U.S. economy. Um, one of the ones that... Um, this particular committee we're dealing with, they're trying to shut down a, a copper mine that was agreed to in a bipartisan deal by, by John McCain and Harry Reid many years ago. Um, it would produce 25% of the, of the copper that the U.S. consumes. Um, there's already been uh, years of development on it, and now the Democrats just want to pull the rug out from under it. And at the same, in the same breath, they talk about how we need all these electric cars in a, in a green economy. So that just tells you they're going to, they want to depend on foreign supply chains. Uh, you know, they don't want to do anything as far as developing resources in the U.S. It's kind of, uh, you know, not in my backyard kind of mentality. But it's, it's some really damaging uh, policy that has, hasn't got a lick of common sense, as my dad would say. I got last last question for you. you. Got about two minutes left, and what you're talking about about having to go to foreign countries when it comes to precious metals with as much land that uh, China's buying up over in Africa and things of that nature, uh, and the places that they already have those precious minerals at, it's going to be China. China's our number one enemy. I'm not going to say our our great trade partner. I'm going to say they're our number one enemy. Yeah, well, they don't have our best interests at heart. They're uh, they're relying on us to send us send them our wealth, um, and for uh, you know all the green crusaders out there, when you when you turn on your phone or use your um, lithium batteries that have cobalt in it, just remember that cobalt was mined in the Congo in a Chinese-owned mine by child slave labor. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you uh, if you don't want to develop our resources in the U.S., you have to take a serious look at what that means to the rest of the world and you know how much of our wealth gets drained out of this country going uh, to foreign countries needlessly. So, I'm with you. I appreciate you, Congressman. Keep up the good work. We'll join you again next Wednesday. How's that sound? Sounds great, Dave. Look All right. To it. Have a good day. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. That's an important, I, I'm going to have to do a show on that. It is really important that you understand, you know, a lot of the things that we, lithium batteries and all that, he just mentioned cobalt. And uh, I mentioned that Chinese have been buying up a lot of stuff over in Africa, and that's one of the things they've been buying, cobalt mines. So keep that in mind. I, I'm going to say something really crazy right now, and you're used to me saying things crazy, but I think... We should get a, get in touch with Greenland, and we should buy Greenland. Because they've got a ton of those minerals in Greenland. And just to protect our rear end, we need to have the availability to get to those rear uh, minerals. With that in mind, I'll let you go. I'll be back with you again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're going to have one of the most liberal papers in France in the studio tomorrow. Don't miss it. It's going to happen on the Dave Ellswick Show.